Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you may be. This is Snapshots in Hockey History. And welcome to another episode of Snapshots in Hockey History, where we relive the hockey highlight reel. My name is Brett Small. As always, just a friendly reminder, Snapshots in Hockey History is a listener-supported podcast brought to you free of charge every single Monday and Thursday at 8 a.m. I will never ask you for a dollar out of your pocket for this podcast. But if you like what you hear, you want to help us out, you want to do something nice, please consider leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Also, please share with your friends. And speaking of sharing, don't forget to follow us on social media at Snapshots in Hockey History on Facebook and Snapshots in on Twitter. I'm assuming if you're downloading this, you saw the headline. It's true. We got Darren McCarty to join us on an episode of Snapshots in Hockey History. I was so excited. Darren's a great guy. And this interview is pretty interesting. It's I don't even call it an interview. I call it more like I'm breaking bread with Darren McCarty. And while we have a topic that we cover, we talk about his comeback, the Red Wings during the 2007-2008 season. We get into a lot more stuff like other things that were going on in the league at the time. He gives his opinion on Sean Avery. This was, of course, around the time when Sean Avery was uh, redefining what unsportsmanlike conduct is with Martin Brodeur and waving a stick in front of him. So I think everybody will enjoy it. And it's a real laid back conversation. Darren's such a laid back guy. And there are also some good laughs in here. So I think everyone will enjoy it. In other news, I saw Zdeno Chara signed on. All six foot nine of them for another season in the NHL. It will be his 22nd consecutive season. And it's fascinating to me to look at how his career has evolved. Of course, he started with the Islanders. And his first few years in the league, he had hundreds of penalty minutes. And now I don't really think of Zdeno Chara as a fighter. I think of him as a solid D-man that uses his size, don't get me wrong, but is more of a defensive presence than a fighter by any means. So it's been cool to see his career evolve from going from the Islanders to Ottawa to finally finding a place in Boston and, and really, you know, leading that team, winning a Stanley Cup and continuing to play with them. So congrats to him on his new contract. I guess it's like two million dollars for one year. In other words, more money than I'll ever make uh, in my lifetime. Before we cut to the interview with Darren, just a couple side notes. People might not remember this, but Darren actually started in the United Hockey League and then had to go to the American Hockey League before he returned back to the NHL. So we talk about all that stuff and talk about the different levels of play at each level and how they differ and all that good stuff. Part one goes all the way through the first round of the playoffs, and then part two will pick up right where part one left off on Thursday at 8 a.m. where we'll cover the rest of the playoffs, winning the Stanley Cup, all that good stuff. So without further ado, here's part one of our interview with Darren McCarty. You know, at the end of the 2007 season, you're up in Calgary with the Flames and things didn't really work out. The Flames decide to buy out your contract. At that point, did you pretty much think it was over and that you were going to hang up the skates? Well, they didn't buy my contract. I was on a two-year contract and in February of that year, I had a sports hernia surgery, which was my third one. And I'd start drinking again, using mm-hmm. again. And I knew it was, I was just in a bad place. And I knew I was done there. And I didn't, I was just, uh, I ended up going to rehab that summer. And then it was, uh, that I was just trying to, you know, I, I was lost, man. Mm-hmm. It, it was rehab helped me center myself again that time. I mean, it was my fourth rehab. So I can't even imagine. But here's the thing is that for whatever, for whatever er, ever else, 
everything I've learned because I'm, I'm I love learning stuff is that I learned so much about myself that I get to apply it today. I mean, mm-hmm. I always say that you know, even though I'm a huge advocate for medical marijuana and and its usage and its benefits because it saved my life. So I, I my whole thing is that it's not for everybody, sure, but it's for more people than not because your perception of it is wrong and you have to get the truth. So you have the, the truth to have an option like I did because mm-hmm. I never knew, you know? And so getting back to that is coming out of the rehab and then coming back to, to Michigan and coming back to Detroit area, it was just sort of like, it was the beginning of December and I was just like, I knew I, when I grew up, I was always like, was taught that give the best your ability. You never have to say what if, and I was in a what if I was like, cause I knew I had something left and where do you go when uh, times are tough? You go to the people you're closest to and I've been there for you all the time. And for me at the, that point in my life, it was Chris Draper. And I wanted to kind of touch on you and Chris Draper get together and you guys had gone back a long ways. Can you talk about kind of the evolution of your friendship with him? Yeah, well, we came in, even though uh, like uh, Ozzy and I played in the minors together and stuff, and then Drapes came in the year I, I made it, and he started in the, so 93, 94, he started in the minors at the beginning of the year where I was up, and then he came up through through the season, and then from then on, we were roommates, and, you know, I'm best man at his wedding, and obviously the Claude the Mew hit on mm-hmm. him and, and me getting the, you know, being so personal because it was on him. So the fact that I was able to exact some sweet revenge on, mm-hmm. uh, for, for some, an injustice, uh, to do that. So we're, we're tight and, and our relationship is, it's not like, it's like big brother, little brother, and I'm the sure. little brother. Sure. You, you look know, up like, to cause, him. Cause he's the responsible one. Cause <laughs> honestly, back in the day, Drapes was the one that Scotty looked at for us younger guys. He looked at Joey Kosher once he came as responsible for us guys. But Drapes was the most responsible, as you see why he's in the management, out of all us younger guys. Meaning he looked out for Ozzy and then he mm-hmm. had to look out for me a little bit more and stuff. So he was always the, he's always the big brother. And so I want people to know that because He's the big brother who's the shortest, but the oldest. And when you and him talk, it sounds like he, I'm not sure where the idea gets thrown out, but he has a stake and he's a part owner in the Flint Generals, which were in the old UHL, IHL, which was really one of the lower minor leagues. How did that come about where it was decided that that kind of, that's where you would start? No, no, that was, it had, I had to go back and, and get in shape and it was, I wanted to start there. I wanted to go back and I wanted to like the game again. You know, because I felt for whatever, for the reason that, that I had something left. And if mm-hmm. I had something left that I can get it, then it was something that I felt that maybe it was like what Joey Kosher brought us in 97, 98, but just sort of just to sit on the bench or be around because be around the boys, you know, the Zetterbergs, the Datsuks and Drapes and Maltz and Nazi, that those are my guys. So it was just sort of like, I was hoping just for opportunity. And if it was meant to be, it was meant to be, but. I would be able to walk away saying, hey, okay, you know, it would have been uh, something that at least I gave it another try. And then, you know, so Drapes had, so I go in Flint and I play there for three weeks. And Before we move on, let's just touch a little bit on your time in the IHL, UHL. I mean, this is quite a step down from the National Hockey League. What was it like kind of going back to the minors for really the first time in 15 years? 
blast. It was awesome. fun. I mean, you get to play the power play, you get to, you know, to get, work on your game and stuff like that. Um, a kid named Travis Grambois mm-hmm. gave me a slash before in the last game, and I knew I was going up to Grand Rapids the next day, and it was right before the end of the second period on the face-up, and it was really unnecessary. So I stood there, and I thought for a minute, I'm just not going to let him get away with that. So I wrote about it in my book, and I almost choked him to death <laughs> on the ice, but with his own chin strap. So I, his head almost popped off. It was so red. But I was just like, okay, I still got the fire in me, and I was ready to move on to the next step. But I had a blast, you know, with Kevin Kerr, Jason Cerrone, Jason Mazzotti, some of the guys that, uh, like Jason, uh, Jason Cerrone, was a guy that played in Europe and stuff, but I played against him in junior. So, okay, so going back to the minors was was getting to see some guys that I either played against or cross paths with, and it was just, you know, it, it was fun to play. It was a good bunch of guys. It was fun to play. I'm curious, how different was the hockey from in the United Hockey League versus the NHL? And I'm sure the NHL is oh, much faster uh, and. It's like really good beer league. Oh, f- fair enough. Fair enough. Like a double like, A beer like league. High end beer. Like, like there's some, and I mean that high, like, like a college or like the kids that just get out of school and go play in the beer league, yep. you know, like, or some of the pros and stuff. I mean, it's, it's better than you think. I believe it. Yeah. No, I believe the skill it. Skill level is, is good. The thinking of the game is a little bit harder and that's, and the game moves a little bit slower, but that's, you know, it, it makes, you know, guys are, bigger and stronger and more mature than in than in junior but it's still a, the same skill level if that makes sense it does i would think you'd up. have to think almost quicker because the game's a little bit slower so it's almost like a, it, it's not necessarily you're, wait, natural. you're waiting you're waiting a lot but Bingo. also too is what you realize is that you got more time and then you can you know that it's it's something that it was good it was it was good it was it was something that i enjoyed and you know, something that I always, I play alumni games in Flint every year, and it's always good to go back to that rink. During your time in Flint, it sounds like you were having the opportunity to also spend a lot of time with your family. I imagine your family played a big role in your comeback. Can you kind of talk a little bit about how nice it was to be back in that area? You'd been in Calgary previously. Your family was still in the Michigan area. How important was your family well, during this period? I was divorced, and but just to come back and see my to be right. around my kids and and be able to, you know, take them to school to be around and just stuff like that at that age. I mean, it was, you know, like anybody else. I mean, it's our my life and the relationship with my kids is 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 a lot uh, more of a long distance one and and something that that was built at a at a young age and has been just sort of communication. I mean, my kids are. My son's a freshman at UCLA. Awesome. Plays club hockey, and then you know the girls are all 20, 18, and fifteen, so they're all doing their stuff. They all live in California with their mom, so you know everybody's got their life. But it was at that time it was great to come back, and that was a big part of it. I mean, you know, when you say family, it's like I always say is that yeah, your your blood is um, you know great that you're born into and stuff, but you know, you can't choose your blood. You can nope. choose the people that you're around. So that's, you know, that, that just everybody like that at the time. It was just to, to be back around in the Michigan area. It's just, it's always been, you know, home. After your 11-game stint in Flint, general manager Ken Holland came forward and offered you a 25-game tryout with the AHL's Grand Rapids Griffins. While you didn't accept right away, Holland was quoted in the Detroit Free Press as saying he expected you to sign soon. 
The team in Grand Rapids included several players that would go on to play an integral role in the future of the Detroit Red Wings, including their future goalie, Jimmy Howard. Was this the first time you had met Jimmy? I know that you had kind of left the system and, and he was now coming up and kind of was the future goaltender for that franchise. That's a good point. I think I'd met him before, though, in the summertime at a golf thing or whatever. I, I'd met him before, but, you know, how he's such a likable guy and, you know, a good guy that we got from, you know, we've always got along and and sort of always, you know, tried to be sort of like a big brother to him. But he's, you know, he's he's his own guy, and he's one of the guys that really I've seen mature – just in being able to, because like he gets scored on, he and when he was younger, he could get bothered. But I see him really work hard on his craft and really work hard to get better and really work hard to be a great goalie. You look at, <laughs> I mean, if you're talking about, you know, him, he's been a stalwart and he doesn't get enough credit because, I mean, I've seen so many times, not as much lately, but in the past few years where he gets hung out to dry for, you know, not many guys in the NHL can make the second and third save, let alone the fifth or sixth. So, you know, I think he gets, uh, you look at his save percentages, it's 920. So, I mean, that, that always tells you a good thing with him. So I've always been a big fan, not only of him as a goalie, but him as a person. It didn't take you long to fit in with Grand Rapids. Your first home game, you scored a hat trick. Darren. What the heck, man? How awesome was it to get back on the ice at the American Hockey League level? It seemed like everything was working right. Bro, listen, I had one four-point game in my pro career. I had an assist, too. You can't get me out of that. <laughs> excuse assist. me, excuse uh, me, excuse yeah, me. Thank you. All right. Um, it was, that's, you know, the, I've had, if I, I realized right then we were, like, on to something and that things were clicking and I was feeling good and, you know, the big fella had some plans for me, I guess. Uh, little did I know. But uh, that was just, that was so, that that felt so good. Just to, that was like a thank you to everybody who had helped me up until that point. Just no matter, I remember thinking, because my, my favorite, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of bobbleheads, um, you know, <laughs> hockey. But that one, uh, they did a bobblehead of me because after I scored, I sort of put my hands up to the air, like praying, like, like thank, thank you, you God, thank you, God. Yeah, you know, it's just like I see. It's just like really, thank you. I mean, just it's it, it was just one of those like, oh man, this is crazy. You know, like one of those crazy. I've had a lot of those moments when I think back, and and oh, now that sure. I think back at well, now I think back at it, and I and now that I do the comedy, and now I do tell the stories and stuff, and I get to go through the, you know, when you tell them, it's like sometimes you, man, I realize, why well, it wasn't, it really wasn't that easy. No, it wasn't. You worked hard, and you continued your hard work in the minors. And one thing I want to talk about is the IHL and in the AHL is there, there's definitely a difference there, but. I feel like in the National Hockey League, from what I understand, you know, you're in the hotels, you're you're traveling with teammates and the minors. It, it's a uh, it's, it's not as swanky. It's not as nice. But there's also a little bit of a drinking culture. And you were open about it. You've talked about your battles with alcoholism. How did you avoid falling back into that trap while you were in the minors? Oh, it's that. The, dude, that's that's just a capo. That's like saying, because if I drive down this street. You know, I'm going to drink if I don't drive down this street. You know, I'm not that. It's, you know, it, it, it's everywhere you want to be. It's all where you are, self-awareness and, and where you want to be. And that, that wasn't in the forefront of my mind. I had had goals. I mean, it's like, you know, the funny thing is people don't understand is that I I never drank out of the cup 
until probably alcohol out of the cup until like probably 2012. Man. And every time, every time that we won, I was sober. That's messed up, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's kind of crazy. Kind of crazy when you think that pe- people, if they knew that, they'd be more mad at me. That why wouldn't I just be sober and we'd have so many more cups? That's what I didn't want to say it, but that's kind of what I was thinking. Well, I'll call myself out. Really? I'll kick kick my own ass. But but now it's for, you know, moving forward. So On February 24th, the moment you had waited for arrived. The Detroit Free Press GM Ken Holland offered you a contract. But the Detroit Free Press reports you didn't sign it right away and wanted to mull over it a little bit. But... It got me thinking when I read this. At any point, did you think about making a comeback with another team? I think that was mis sort of reported because I had I was injured. Mm-hmm. I, I cracked my rib. Yep. Before they wanted this, so they had to figure out the mulling over was when I was going to sign it before and on which date. Okay. So we we agreed to it. No, I wasn't going anywhere else. That's a good question. That's good. That's that's a you know I uh, on the media side of things. That's good uh, intuitive uh, journalism right there, kid. Thank you. Unfortunately, during the stint, as you mentioned, small bump in the road, you end up suffering a small rib injury. Do you know what happened there? Yeah, it was the last game in uh, in Grand Rapids against uh, the Marlies and took a hit along the boards and got caught halfway in between and did, did it was exactly almost what Larkin did. Oh, okay. Back checking. Like yep. it, it was, yeah, that's exactly same thing. I, I sort of avoided the check, but he got my hip and it sort of rib hit, you know, but what Larkin was banged up with. Yeah. Just that right spot. It sounds like in the yeah, right, that spot. right spot, yep. you know, sort of above the hip, but in the, like the torso, you know, the, oh man. Painful, painful, painful. Yeah, it is because, you know, breathing and stuff is the hardest part a lot of the times. After finally being recalled to join the Wings, what's it like returning back to your home, Joe Lewis Arena, for the first time? It's great. I mean, it's, 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 it's almost like surreal, but to walk, you know, to walk in and just see people's faces like, Hey, I'm back. You guys miss me. You know, like, like cause oh. that's just the way I am. Or just like, I mean, you were so loved. I think I probably walked into the dressing room and says, okay, guys, you ready to go win one now? You know, cause <laughs> I always, I always tell Kenny Holland, I go, bro, you know, you haven't won one without me in the lineup since 55. <laughs> so it's true. Me back in. Yeah. While it had only been a few years since you left, the Wings team had gone through a few big changes, including bringing in a new head coach, Mike Babcock. What were your first impressions of Mike? Um, unbelievable X's and O's and preparation, and your practices were as good as games and that. What I noticed the difference between him and Scotty Bowman is that the top guys took a lot of grief from Babcock. Really? Yeah. When you say grief, yeah, he, just he would lay it down. Uh, well, I'm being nice. <laughs> okay, <laughs> we'll leave I'm it at being that. Nice, then. because you know, because I didn't, I don't agree with his. I think that 2019 Mike Babcock coaches the Toronto Maple Leafs will win a cup in the next couple of years, but has matured a lot behind the bench. I was never, you know, I had Scotty Bowman, and then I had Daryl Sutter, who I also I I loved in Calgary, but uh, Scotty Bowman's like the master manipulator of the game. Like he sees the game. He's like Belichick and he just adjusts and he adjusts and he's just got a great feel for, you know, how to use guys and who's going and stuff. And in 2008, you know, that, that 
you know, that that was something that you have to learn. Yeah, it's something in coaching and learned. And so I got along with Babcock great. I knew what what I was going to do for the four minutes, and I was more happy to be there warming up, the, you know, because I go out with Jim Bedard and uh, Todd McClellan at the time, who was assistant coach, and we'd, I'd do all the goalie stuff and warm up the goalies and stuff. I was just happy to You're be around. You were just happy bro. to be back there, yeah. And then, and then – you know, if you look, it so happens that uh, between Homer and the Mule getting hurt, I ended up playing 17 out of 22 of the playoff games. Well, I even scored. Well, I remember I scored in the, in the Nashville series. Yep. On a rebound, and then which was awesome. That was the last goal I've ever scored uh, in the NHL, I think. And uh, but that was cool. But I don't care. And then I, and then a big assist in Dallas. Yes, you on did. Hoodler's goal. I feathered it out. Whatever, but it was this, and then I know that I would, like, see, because I was on the ice for either Helm or Hudler scored, we kept it in at the blue line, and then one of them's in game four or five against Pittsburgh. Now, it was, it, yeah, it was just crazy. It was, what a it run. was awesome. Yeah, what a, it was awesome. What a run, and you go ahead and get back in the lineup. You're feeling good, and Mike Babcock goes out and puts the grind line back together in your first yeah. game back. Let's talk about how special that must have been to be reunited with Kirk Maltby and Chris Draper. Well, I mean, first of all, that when, you know, the lineup came out and he did that, I had the utmost respect for Mike Babcock because that he did that just to be out there for, you know, one last time, just sort of like, hey, you know, to do it again. And the response of the fans was awesome. It gave me chills. It gave me chills talking about it. But uh, I know Nick was out there, too. So that was cool because the four of us said it. You know, and then Homer was in the lineup, so that was great. That's kids, yeah, we had to win it, but it was awesome, you know, because of coming back. It was great, and you played the St. Louis Blues, and just like that, though, it's time for the 2007-2008 Stanley Cup playoffs to win, and being in first place at the President's Trophy, once again, as you said, they can't win without you. The first round is against the eighth-seed Nashville Predators, and with the playoffs starting now, what role did you see yourself playing with the Red Wings during the playoffs? Black Ace. The Black, Black Ace. Ace. Yeah, absolutely. You, know Black Ace? you were the best. Absolutely. Ba- I was happy, you know, to, to, you know, do whatever, you know, because I'd... It was, it was always good, too, because we'd always sit in between periods. Like, usually, Chelly and I were the ones who would sit out or fill in and stuff but um i just stay in uh stay in the dressing room you know like cleary was a big guy coming mm-hmm. between periods and say what do you see what do you see and so some guys would want to talk some other guys you know like you know pav or z would come in and just you know like if different things so try to just help guys out in the best way sort of like being a, you know the backup quarterback or whatever like that and then just being ready to go in but you know, that, 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 it was just really a blast just to be around. Appreciative, you know, Very we're appreciative. going through. And, you know, especially because your senses are heightened to, trust me, when you come out of rehab. So all your your, uh, your, your senses are heightened into appreciation. So, Game one is in Detroit, and the Wings get off to a hot start with a 3-1 win over the hot rookie goaltender Dan Ellis and the Predators. You got into a little bit of a staring contest during this game with Jordan Tutu. What do you remember over your career against playing against Jordan Tutu? He's a fierce little competitor, bro. He's, he's a tough, you know, he's like along the Domi, the Domi, uh, Stan Jonathan, like just mold. tough little guys, man. Like Bola, you know, little ball, like Pat Verbeek, a little ball of hate. Um, <laughs> I know, forgot like about bad, that. Like, like hit like a missile. They just flying around the ice and, you know, we'll back it up and, 
you know, like just fearless. Fear, fearless is probably if I had to say one one to describe Jordan Tutu would be fearless. Game one had to be exciting for you. I mean, it's your first game back, but game two had to just be plain awesome. Then, as you scored your first playoff goal since coming back, and we touched on that a little bit while uh, a little while ago, the crowd erupted when you scored in Detroit. Let's talk about your relationship with that city. Say, I consider myself not a stepchild. Michigan's favorite stepchild from growing up across the border, so or Detroit stepchild, because I mean, it's like second home because growing up. My house I grew up in, give or take 10 minutes for the borders, 40 minutes. And uh, so I grew up a Red Wing fan in the Dead Wing era. So, you know, just I know what it's about, uh, you know, the hard work and just you know, to be real, real. And that, you know, as I'm sitting here today, as I've got my, you know, grind time with Darren McCarty and doing comedy and doing things after 10 years after being retired, you know, that's the relationship now is where I get to say thank you and I get oh, the feedback awesome. and I get to, and I get to continue. You know, they say life comes full circle. Well, life's, I don't consider that. I think it's an infinity circle and it closes and then it opens up a new story. And I just, that's why, you know, I love traveling around and I love talking to people and, you know, like doing, doing podcasts like yours and, and just the, the, the connection. I think that, you know, the world that they show me isn't the world that I live in. I refuse to, uh, I, I'm, I don't, you know, the too many lies, too many, I find too many truths out. So it's just nice to be able to talk about things that you love with people that love, that or love remember you. or, rem- yeah, exactly. Or want to hear about it or, you know, even, you know, 10 years later, yeah, you know, it's... and then to realize where is that? Because, you know, the whole thing is it, it's, it was supposed to go, 10 years ago be where I'm at now instead of, you know, not wasting 10 years, but there's a lot of struggle in those 10 years, but there's a lot of lessons learned. So I'll say a lot of things, stories that you can share to help others as well. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, whether it's cause that's why we do these things and record them because yep. as long as you keep remembering, then you keep the memory of, you know, people that have gone or things that you've done with certain people alive. During this game, you scored your first playoff goal back, and also defenseman Chris Chelios sets the record for playing the most career playoff games by anyone in the NHL with 248. Well, he's 84. What do you <laughs> I was about to say, is this guy just an unreal freak? How does he he's do gre- it? He's, dude, he's Greek, and you've heard of the desert ride, right? The desert. Was that when he would get in the sauna? Yeah, dude, he'd ride in the sauna for an hour. So that's not a, a rumor. No. Oh that's not God. a rumor. That's why he's so glazed because of the 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 balmy, oily Greek skin <laughs> and, the, and the sauna. Like no, like literally three times a day, thirty minutes. So he, he would go. And he'd be in. Yo, he's just a he's a freaking a, he's on a, some space planet blood. I mean, he's like he's a freaking nature, bro. Of all your He's teammates, all your teammates, well, would you consider him one of the most, I don't want to say freak of nature, but one of the most extreme when it came to training? Dude, we had, dude, we had freak central. You got Chris Draper. No, because <laughs> like Chelly had his program. Okay. Chelly was, was huge on this desert ride and then huge on like circuits and, and card, like different things. You know, Drapes was just a maniac. 
Yuri Fisher, oh my God, he had to kick him out of the gym. Steve Eiserman, you know, like had his regiment, was stuck to it. You know, Lindstrom, those, all those guys got, you know, sort of the regiments, but they're all just, it's. They never stopped. It's probably, well, it's just the dedication and, yeah. the, and the consistency and, and what needs to be done and how long it needs to be done. It doesn't matter. They just know what they need to do to get them the best. I mean, I used to laugh because Drapes was a guy that will get sick if he doesn't work out. I'm a guy who gets sick <laughs> if he does. But that's why these guys That's why I told him. That's why I said that's why you're the speed. I'll just, you know, I'll sit around and, you know what? You and do go. your thing. Yeah, exactly. As the series continues, the Red Wings unfortunately slip up during games three and four. But stepping away from this series and looking elsewhere in the league, during the New York Rangers and New Jersey Devils series, one of your former teammates, Sean Avery, makes the league redefine what's considered unsportsmanlike conduct after screening and waving his stick in front of Martin Brodeur. Do you remember what everybody's reaction was after seeing this? What was everyone's thought throughout the league when they see Sean Avery do something like that? I don't really know. When Sean Avery starts acting like that, I usually walk away because if I stick around, I end up hitting him. (laughs) Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, so... Fair enough. So that's Sean, you know, that's Sean being Sean. But in Sean's defense, I mean, it's sort of like the argument they're having about the golf, about the slow play. Well, don't allow. Like, it's like you got the rules, they're there. And so they changed it. But, you know, that just. That's just Sean being Sean. Well, at the time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, how could he outlandishly do himself? It was like a. You know, for him, it worked. I mean, I lay. You know what? When it didn't, there's not a lot. There's some things that are funny. There's some things that are like, you know, I wouldn't. I do a lot of things. I wouldn't do a lot of things he did. The Wings return to the Joe for Game Five, and head coach Mike Babcock decides to make a change by replacing starting goalie Dominic Hasek with backup Chris Osgood, who backstopped his team to two wins, and the Wings are able to wrap up this series. Chris Osgood is a guy that fascinates me, and and we talk about respect in the National Hall of Famer or no. He's got to be. And that was going to be oh, my okay. exact question okay. to you. All right, then we can continue to talk. We can continue this interview. I don't understand. Because, you, because your answer was correct. Thank you. I don't understand why don't he hasn't know. gotten the respect that he deserves. Because it's the same way he never got in trouble, dude. Because they can't believe that he's uh, 47 years old because he still looks like he's 12. It's amazing with his 400 wins and three cups with backstop and two and you know where he's been and what he's done like dude i i came into the minors with him he's one of the guys i'm i'm closest with even though we don't talk all the time Mm -hmm. but the minute you know like it's like always the same thing back to whatever and i tell anybody i play some great goalies but you give me I'm going down with Ozzy. You can have Hasek. You can have whatever. Even though Dominic Hasek in 02 played the back-to-back shutouts in in Colorado and at home against them in Game 7 were the two greatest games I've seen. But Chris Osgood is the guy I want in one game. I mean, I uh, he just like he he he, he got it he done. Just, he's unflap. He's unflappable. Yeah. He's he's old. He grew up watching Grant Fuhr. And that Grant was going to be my next question: is if Grant Fuhr is in the Hall of Fame? No, and, it, well, that's the whole thing. Because do you yep. want to win or like do you want to win or do you want trophies? Ozzy wants to win. So do I. It was always Grant Fuhr, and it always and that's why because Scotty always knew. And even at the end, where Babs, 
you know, Dom just Dom just didn't have it anymore. You know, like it just sort it was, of lost it. The way I look at it, I guess the argument with Chris Osgood is, well, he had so many people playing in front of him with Fedorov, with all the these other guys. Out of here, you still gotta fuck make the save. Well, and Grant Fuhr had Gretzky, Mark Messier. He had plenty of guys in front of him. What's different? that's just my opinion. I think that Chris Osgood deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and he is one of the guys that should, she should be in there by now already. Round two is around the corner. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, because you know that if, you know, you agree with me. Then Then you're crazy. You're one of the 15. No, you're just one of the 15% with common sense that I don't have to worry about. Some people might disagree with me, but as you heard in the interview, I honestly, truly believe that Chris Osgood should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and it boggles my mind that he's not. There are a few guys that I don't understand, and Osgood's definitely one of them. The other one's Jeremy Roenick. He was such a dominant player during his time. Another one's Alex Mogilny. Guy was unbelievable, such a smooth skater. How are these guys not in the Hockey Hall of Fame? I just don't understand it. But Chris Osgood especially, the guy won multiple Stanley Cups. He was a goalie. And I I guess the argument, as we talked about in the interview, was, well, he had so much offensive talent in front of him and so much defense in front of him. He didn't really, he, he wasn't that good. He didn't need to come to play. Yeah, well, the fact is he still came to play. And there are a lot of other goalies in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Martin Brodeur, Grant Fuhrer, that had a lot of talented people in front of them as well. I mean, Brodeur had Scott Stevens. Fuhrer had Gretzky, Messier, Paul Coffey, just to name a few. Osgood had lots of talent in front of him, and I think he was just as good. Anyways, really want to thank uh, Darren for coming on. We're going to air part two of his interview on Thursday at 8 a.m. We get into the rest of the playoffs. We talk about the Stanley Cup celebration. I think it's a really great story. I love hearing comeback stories about players that, not even just players, but people in life that maybe fall down on their luck a little bit or, or things don't go right and are able to bring it back together. And I just thought it was so cool. I thought it was great that Darren McCarty said, you know what? I'm not going to quit. I've got something left in me. I'm not going out this way. I'm going to start at the bottom and work my way up. And uh, it makes for a pretty cool story. So I hope everyone enjoyed part one of the story, I guess I should say. And we'll be back with part two on Thursday. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on social media, on Facebook at Snapshots and Hockey History and on Twitter at Snapshots in. Appreciate it. Have a great week. We'll see you on Thursday at 8 a.m. for another episode of Snapshots and Hockey History.